This is Tracy Vandeventer with Little Things Podcast. This is Jim Martin with Little Things First Podcast. And we're exploring the little things that make a big difference in education. And we are actually hanging out at a school, an empty school, on a Saturday, partly because maybe we don't have as many friends as we should have <laughs> besides each <laughs> true, other. True, <laughs> true. Uh, and we had a couple calls, and someone's not feeling well, so they couldn't make our call. And we decided we're going to just do our arguing on air because we have different views sometimes about what those little things might be. And we're going to start off with flexible seating because that was our most heated conversation so far. So, Jim, give us your perspective about flexible seating in classrooms. Well, you know, I just think um, we've talked with some people and they talk about focus in schools. And I recently read a book, um, well, it's called Focus by Mike Schmoker. And um, he actually has another edition out and he talks a lot about, you know, even small groups, like unnecessary. You know, really what we need is two kids side by side who can talk to each other, partner talk, um, think pair share, and um, all of this other stuff that we sometimes inject in classrooms may not make the kind of difference that we want it to. And so I just get a little bit worried when I see us investing money and time in all of this flexible seating that, you know, supposedly makes kids learn better. Okay, well, I will give it to you that if you spend a lot of time and money on flexible seating and you don't pay attention to things like maybe standards or engagement in the classroom or uh, whether or not we're checking for understanding, you're right, flexible seating in that case maybe should not trump some of those other things. But here's some of the positives about flexible seating. So if you're looking at flexible seating, you may have students who willingly engage in the work because they got to have a say about where they're going to sit. And so instead of sitting in a stiff little chair with a little desk that nobody really actually, you know, would want to do for their day, uh, they get to be in a beanbag or they get to be in a little stool that wiggles or they get to be on the floor curled up with a pillow. You know, they might choose to be involved just because they can move their bodies around a little bit. And that can be a positive thing. Now, will that be enough to change the success of a school by itself? Yeah, probably not. Now, Wouldn't that drive you crazy, though? If you're you had all these kids out here, let's say you have twenty eight <laughs> kids, and you've got you know a couple of kids bouncing, maybe a couple of kids laying on the floor with blankets. I mean, that would drive me insane. So, Jim, do you like control? <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm a little bit of a control freak, and it's coming out in this flexible seating discussion. So I'm going to show you a picture that a teacher sent me. We're trying to do a little Instagram in my school, and she sent me this picture, and I thought this was a perfect example of flexible seating. And, okay, let's see. I'm pausing through Paul and just pulling Don't you think you have to be a certain kind of teacher to be able to be successful with that? I mean, like, you have to be really good, a really good classroom manager. And that's the part of the problem, I think, is that – yeah. I don't think I'm good enough of a classroom manager to be able to manage, you know, the twirling seats or whatever the case might be in the classroom. 
Yeah, but I think I think actually you are. I think it's about building those routines. I think it's about being really clear that if you're choosing to sit here, this is how we appropriately sit here. If you are uh, going to be using this stool, this is how you actually use this stool. You don't throw the stool. You don't tip the stool over. You are not, right? There's, there's ways that you're going to be putting it out there for kids that they know what the expectations are. So uh, the picture, I'll, I'm going to post this picture actually on our website so you can see what I'm showing them. But it's uh, two uh, girls, upper grade girls, who are curled up between a desk and a counter. And they both are like with their heads buried in their books. And they are doing their reading uh, in this little nook that they've created in their classroom. And they're engaged and they're focused and they're doing a great job. So um, I think it can be I think it can be possible, but you're absolutely right. You would you would have to be prepared that there's going to be movement in your room. You have to be prepared that once in a while kids might make bad choices. Or you may have to reteach. You definitely have to take time at the beginning to kind of lay out what those expectations and routines are going to be, right? Yeah, and I do like the idea of some flexible seating in a reading nook. You know, yeah. I think that really adds to the environment in the classroom. And I think as long as the expectations are clear, that that can be a really yeah. Nice place that encourages reading. Yeah. This teacher here uh, has also a standing desk, and I love it because we have mm. some kids who really struggle with sitting and being still all day long. So the students stand at the desk. Yes. Oh. So she has one in the back of her room. I don't actually know the process that kids have to go through. I'm not sure what her routine is for kids to choose to be there. And I'm not sure if she sometimes chooses for them, but they have this desk at the back that is, you know, like mid chest level for kids, maybe a little lower if you're a tall kid. And they lean on that desk and they stand and they can type and they can uh, write. And there's actually like a little foot place so they could lift their foot and put it uh, if they kind of wanted to stand on one foot. And and I have seen some really cool things where kids are leaning on that desk at the back of the room. And they might be um, sometimes our most busy kids who, who really struggle when their you know, little bottoms are asked to be on these hard seats because we're not buying padded seats. We're not buying really comfortable seats for our students necessarily. We, we all too often are really focused on trying to be, uh, we'll say, we'll say money saving opportunities, right? Right. So I think we provide furniture that maybe isn't conducive for kids to really be able to learn. And it's expensive sometimes to get some of the other alternatives out there. So a lot of the flexible seating we have in our building comes from grants. Um, we do have little stools that kind of have a little bit of a, maybe a, it, it, it's kind of like an expanded bottom, so they just tip a tiny bit, and they can kind of wiggle back and forth. Okay. And uh, we also have some little, like, seat pads that kids can sit on. Some of them are inflated by air, and kids can kind of sit on those. And they even have, like, little pokey parts, plastic parts that are sitting on there, and they seem to, like, give a sensory, I've you know, those, feel. Yeah. And then another one's just kind of padded. And sometimes, though, unfortunately, the padded ones, uh, or even the ones that are blown up with air, uh, they are used more as a Frisbee than maybe <laughs> as the seat that they're That's supposed to be. That's my point. That's my point. <laughs> okay, but I Jim, need to see a study. I need to see two teachers who actually have, like, comparable practice and outcomes, yeah. right? And then, like, put in one classroom let's put the flexible seating and the other classroom let's have the standard seating and let's see if it makes a difference and, and makes that teacher's okay. results go better so let's make sure we control for the variables so is right. the same teacher going to teach both classes 
<laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> See, there's no way to really test that out. And so we just have kind of jumped into this. That's our thing with education is we have these fads, right? They yeah. come along and we just jump into them wholeheartedly. Yeah. And then, you know, we find out all this money that we've invested in twirling seats or whatever is not making a difference. Yeah. We've installed, a, you know, what are those things that you are, used to be on the playgrounds until too many kids got hurt? You know, you'd like oh, run yeah. around and spin. <laughs> it shows our age. They, they are not on playgrounds anymore because we all used to get whipped off of them, remember? <laughs> okay, well, here's another idea. So at one school I was at, we decided to run an experiment. We had a science class. We had a teacher who was teaching science. And K through 6, we had our kids come through this science class every week for uh, two one-hour blocks, right? And we even we knew that some of our kids were going to be struggling with the the science curriculum because we hadn't done a, really our due diligence in teaching that. We bought chairs for this new classroom, and they were like little rocking chairs at the bottom. So they just sort of tipped back and forth. What I liked about them is, you know, kids are already tipping on those back two legs, right? Right, right. And so eventually they might tip too much, and then down they go, and that's certainly not a great option either. Uh, and so in this case, kids would kind of rock back and forth a little bit. The teacher did talk about that initially she struggled because I think she really liked things in order, right? She struggled because there was constant, right, rocking. <laughs> there was constant wiggling, right? right? But she did find that um, as she got accustomed to it as a teacher, she, she didn't see any decrease necessarily. Um, those There were a few kids, right, that were just bound and determined to make their rocking chair like the other chairs where they tipped back, right? Uh -huh. And they wanted to tip so far back that they'd have to put their feet up some ways and try to boost themselves up and over. And it never really ended well, right, when right. they did that. So again, teaching those routines. Now I'm thinking about another experience that I had where I was at a secondary school and we had administrators follow a student through the day. Oh, how interesting. Right? So you've got your four periods and a, and a, like a, not enrichment, but you know, you're with your advisor, whatever your school calls it. Sure. Okay. And we went and they were basically like 84 minute blocks. And then we had our lunch in there in the middle, but then, you know, you went through and it was grueling. It was physically grueling to go and sit and listen and try to be awake and to be, have these seats that were so yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I think that probably promoting that should be encouragement for all teachers to promote lots of movement, mm -hmm. lots of, you know, mm -hmm. active engagement in their classroom so the kids aren't sitting because nobody can sit that long. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to follow a kid, you know, from especially a kid that has to leave class to go to maybe a special education yeah. setting yeah. to kind of see what their experience is like. So yeah. that's that's a good, interesting thing to do. So um, I think I, I will, oh no, go ahead. Well, I, I am just saying that I'm looking forward to your research. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. So you're the kind of guy that's actually going to follow up on it. And I, even though you may not be able to create your own research right now, because it means you have to have a class that has flexible seating and you're going to have to have teachers that start off with about the same level of right um, mastery. Yeah. If you're going to be using, 
you're going to use flexible seating as your control group, they must start off at least at the same level, right, of proficiency. And they, you know, these teachers would have the same, basically the same level of growth in order to be able to see if flexible seating made a difference. Right. I have a feeling those teachers probably have already on their own created a flexible seating model if that's what they wanted to do. Right. That's what some of the teachers here, they just went out and found grants, found ways to do teachers pay, or not teachers pay teachers, but uh, donors choose, right. get funds to try and create different options. Um, I'm going to go back just a little bit about where I had to find a closet in our school last year for flexible seating because one class in particular was not successful at being able to demonstrate that they knew the routines. And so they were moved out of the room. Oh, the flexible seats. Yep. So for a while, the flexible seats were at the back of the room and they were sort of a visual reminder that this is something we can grow into when we show that we're able to keep our hands, feet, objects to ourselves. We're able to have calm bodies. We're able to follow directions. And so they were there in the room for a while. And then eventually many of them were moved and just put into a closet. And there was like one or two remaining seats there. And and as kids became more proficient, then we were able to bring a few more chairs back out. So I think in that case, uh, they never really got all of them back out into the community space because mm-hmm. the students, for whatever reason, were, were struggling with the with the option of flexible seats. I like the idea of using flexible seats as like a reward. Mm-hmm. You know, last year I used to use it as, you know, you get to sit in the teacher's chair and, you know, yeah. kids would be all about that because it spins yeah. and all that kind right. of stuff. But it was a reward. Yeah. You know, one, I could handle that, but... Yeah, I just haven't been able to wrap my mind around. But I, yes, I'm interested in some other research. and uh, There's got to be know, some out there. There must be. I need to look around and see what I can find. I'm wondering what our listeners are thinking about flexible seating. I would love to hear from mm-hmm. some of you about your experiences with flexible seating, your opinions about flexible seating. Maybe you can uh, send some of that to us. Um, what's our web address? Do you remember? Little things first, right? Little things first with the number one st, and we're dot com. Okay, so you heard it here. We would love to hear your comments. You can read our blog entries. You can um, see some of the stuff that we post about our episodes and um, offer a comment of your own or a question of your own that might be featured on our podcast. And what's going to be really cool is that Jim's going to actually do research and he's going to write a blog <laughs> post about oh, it. Oh, I and- will. <laughs> And then you're going to be able to respond to what he says. And it's okay if you to speak openly and truthfully about how you feel about it. So if you're a big believer, let us know more about it. And if you're like Jim and where you're like, yeah, I think it's a lot of effort on things that might not make as much difference. Um, we'd love to hear about that too. Yeah. It certainly is a little thing that could make a difference, right? Yeah. It could be a little <laughs> thing that makes a big difference. And All right. we'd love to hear more from our listeners. So it was they, fun ta- chatting with you. It's Tracy. Totally. And yeah. uh, we're going to go and dig out our other arguments and let's, uh, let's do this again. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Jim. Bye. Bye.